Hey, great thinkers. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Think Great Experience. I am joined today by my good friend, Bob Schlichty. Bob has had an amazing career, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, but he has been with Grand Casino, Malax, and Hinkley for nearly 30 years. He is also a professional speaker. We'll talk about that part uh, in just a little bit. But Bob, welcome to the show. And, and please tell us a little bit about your background. Well, good morning, Eric. Uh, I am so pleased to be here. I'm excited to be here and quite uh, scared, to be honest. <laughs> Me too. But I'm going to go back. Uh, I'll, I'll get early days of my background, kind of give yeah. you kind of a base, because I think it builds up to what I do as a professional speaker and, and what my business has meant to me and yeah. the direction that I've taken, etc. But I grew up in a small town in, uh, of Spencer, Iowa. It's the northwest part of Iowa. Wasn't born there. But we, we moved there when I was in first grade, mm. I believe. My parents divorced when I was a junior in high school, moved to St. Paul, but I had refused to leave. I wanted to finish high school with the kids I started school with. It sure. was very important to me. And I look back today, and I think it was probably one of the best sales jobs that I did, convincing my mother that I could live on my own <laughs> as a senior in high school. And that was a tough, tough job, but I got it done. The second tough part was finding somebody that wanted a senior to live with them for a year. And what we were able to do, and, and this kind of feeds into my professional speaking a little bit, I think, Eric, what I was able to do, or we were able to do, is we found a lady that was willing to rent me a room for $40 a month. But back then, you had to have like parents to go to school. Sure. And so I needed a guardian. And they were also willing to sign guardianship papers for me. Wow. And when I look back at that, I think it was kind of one of those um, uh, relationships, partnerships where both sides win. I had a place to live and a guardian and yeah. the folks I lived with got $40 a month, which meant a lot to them. Sure. But I learned a lot about myself, needless to say, in that year's time, because I had friends of mine that their parents didn't want them to hang with me unless there were two or three other friends with us. They were afraid that I would do nothing but get him in trouble. Yeah. So I always had to prove to myself, to my family, to my friends um, that I was a good guy, that I could survive on my own. Uh, I held three jobs um, uh, while going through high school and um, managed to get through school thinking I was just going to go on uh, into the work field because I had no money for college. Yeah. Uh, went to a junior college. Finally, my, a couple of my uncles um, had helped me get into a junior college, a community college. I lived with my grandmother as a freshman and sophomore. I tell you what, you want to party, you party hard with grandma. I'm telling you, there's no doubt about it. And then um, uh, went on to college in, at, at St. Cloud. And in St. Cloud, I ran out of money very quickly for uh, a lot of reasons. Um, a little bit too much fun, maybe. Yeah, partying with grandma. Yeah, 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 no grandmother. Uh, I picked up a job selling pots and pans door to door uh, to single working ladies that wanted to start their cedar chest, their hope chest. Yeah. Um, and, and it was probably my first stepping outside my comfort zone. I was scared to death of girls. I was sure. scared to death to speak, knew nothing about sales. My dad had been a salesman all my life, and I thought it was pretty cool. I liked his schedule, et cetera. Yeah. 
And so I got into the cookware sailing business and made enough money to get through college. Actually, I did it for about a year before or a year after college, met my wife, quickly realized that it wasn't a good recipe for marriage to be seeing young ladies from five to 10 o'clock at night. <clears throat> no got doubt. a job <laughs> uh, selling airplanes and airplane seats for a charter wholesaler out of St. Paul, Minnesota. And it, I got it on a relationship. I, I didn't even have a real interview. It was just kind of a relationship yeah. connection. And so all these things kind of build to what my shipbuilding is all about. Well, and every time we've sat down, you know, I've had the, the privilege of working with you, you know, mm -hmm. being hired by you to speak at events, but also just grabbing coffee or lunch, or we'd make introductions for each other, you specifically for me most of the time, but you always bring so much of your background experience in there. And I just have to say, you know, at a, at a young age like that, when your parents get divorced, that really shakes things up. Well, how did you find the right mindset to make it through that? You know, it, it's hard enough when it happens when you're young, but as a teenager, that had to be game changing for you. I think it was really difficult. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends drank in high school. They partied in high school. I wasn't the best student. I wasn't yeah. the smartest kid in the class. Uh, probably not even in, well, no, not even in the middle of the class. And so what I knew about myself is the only way to prove people wrong was just to work hard and stay at it and stay out of trouble. Sure. And, you know, I had a, a great life. I had a great life before my parents uh, got divorced. And I, I had a, just a super senior year, but I made, yeah. made it a focus, made sure that I worked hard, I played hard, I played fair, and I stayed out of trouble. And everyone expected me not to stay out of trouble. It just That's just not what kids normally do in that kind that's of That's right. That's right. And I had some great support from my um, family, from my uncles, my aunts, and my parents were really good, hardworking people. Um, they, they just had a rough time in their life and it just didn't work out. They had yeah. issues with, uh, like a lot of people have, I guess, yeah. just, but it was a good solid foundation. They built among me and my sisters as far as just hard work. I mean, you saw a relationship that meant so much to you, the relationship with your mom and dad, you saw that relationship fall apart yes. and, and they move on. And yet you have gone on not only at Grand Casino as their VP of strategic relationships, which I love that relationships was in your title. Yes. But you've also gone on to make an impact talking about relationships or more specifically ships. And I, and I love that you've taken these experiences and built a, a, a speaking brand out of this. And in, in other words, there had to be a point when you realized, you know, when you got bit by the speaking bug, how did you, how did you know you were ready for speaking? And I mean, you've got a 30 year, nearly 30 year career with Grand Casino at some point in there, it started to become evident that you should be the one on stage, not just hiring people for the stage. It's interesting you say that, Eric, because when, when I look back at it, I'm not sure what kind of caught me. And mm. I'm going to go back to, I think it was the mid eighties. I had heard Zig Ziglar speak. I think it was at the Metrodome. I can't even remember. Wow. All I remember is there's 40, 50, 60,000 people in attendance. Yeah. And he's, you know, I didn't have real good seats. He looked like a little water bug out on the stage. <laughs> but I was so impressed by how he just grabbed the audience and how he got everybody excited. Yeah. I thought, God, how cool would that be? Never in my lifetime did I ever think I could possibly do it because getting in front of a 
a group of people, it didn't matter the size, just scared the heck out of me. Yeah. It just was never, ever comfortable. When well, it, we is, started, it goes back to the, the biggest fear, right? Bigger than death oh, is gosh, public yes. speaking. Yes. And, and when we started our speaker. leadership conference at Grand Casino, uh, a couple, I was on the committee from day one yeah. and I, it was my job to hire speakers like yourself. Mm -hmm. And a couple of people said, well, why didn't you get up and speak? Why didn't you speak about your relationship building? And I said, what are you, are you nuts? And ironically, uh, one of the speakers that I had hired uh, had said the same thing. I became pretty good friends with her and she said the same thing. My wife and I were walk, taking a walk one, one night and she turned to me, she said, why don't you speak? And none of them had known that, you know, each of them had said it. They, it just yeah. kind of all came together at about two weeks time. And I'm thinking, what would I speak on? Well, they must be onto something. That's the big thing, right? Exactly. They must be onto something. And of course, my wife knows me better than anybody. She says, speak on relationships. Yeah. Well, if I dial back a couple of years ago, I had heard about a speaker that was going to various chambers and her message was, 30 second or 60 second elevator pitch. I don't remember if it's 30 seconds or 60 sure. seconds. And I wanted to hear that because I didn't think I had a very good elevator message. Mm -hmm. So I tried to book it, tried to go to it and I got called out of town. Then I heard she go, went to another chamber, tried to book it, got called out of town, never heard her. So I'm driving home from Hinkley one day and I'm thinking elevator pitch, what could I possibly talk about? And then I thought about what do I do? I build friendships for the casino. I yeah. build relationships for the casino. I build partnerships for the casino and I build sponsorships for the casino. A lot of ships. You are. And then I start talking about it. And it became, you know, it becomes easier if you talk about what you do. And interestingly enough, when I hire speakers like yourself, yeah. I love to find speakers that live it. Yeah. Not speakers that can read about it. They're smart. They can get in front of people and not be afraid. People that live it, those are the speakers I want because you know it comes from the heart. You That's know right. they know what they're talking about. They've gone through the hardships. It becomes easy at that point. You know, I've I've had the opportunity to hear you speak. In fact, we even shared the stage. I, it was a speaker showcase in Iowa. Iowa, yep. yeah. And um, you are absolutely genuine and sincere about shipbuilding. And I have to admit, the very first time I heard what the title was, you know, about building ships, I thought... I never knew Bob was was associated with the Navy. I said, this is, I cannot wait to hear this. But what I heard was a message on people. And I got to ask you, you know, and I want to hear more about it. You got friendships, relationships, partnerships, sponsorships, undeniable. These ships, we need them in business. We need them in life. Absolutely. How, how important right now during the pandemic, when we have been socially distanced, we've been told to stay apart every relationship we have has been impacted or tested. How critical is it right now for us all to be shipbuilders? You know, Eric, I think it is so very, very critical. And I'm going to start by answering it this way. Look at what you see in the newspaper. Ben Johnson just got hired by the Gophers. If you listen to his, his news conference, all he could talk about, obviously, he was talking about some of his um, coaching experiences, but he talked about the importance of building relationships that's with right his team with the community with his bosses relationships and when you get into a situation well just in general relationships are so critical for all of us to survive 
But when there's a pandemic, what I have found, I rely on my relationships that kind of get right. you through it. I, I, I listened to a newscast by Chad uh, Hartman when, when um, his father died. Mm. And he, he was saying something, the fact that his dad didn't die uh, from COVID, but he died because of COVID. And what he was saying is basically, Sid couldn't go out and do what he loved most, building those relationships, That's building right. those friendships. And I think during the pandemic, it becomes that much more important to rely on those friendships and relationships. That's right. I mean, they've been taken away from us to a certain extent, or at least the ability Absolutely. to build them. You know, here, here we are in this little rectangle. And for some people, that's all they have for building a relationship right now or, or finding a sponsorship or a partnership or, or any of the ships they need to build. We're, we're confined to this little space and we, we lose that that interaction side. And, and I'm, I know for a fact, the businesses that we're working with, they're so excited to get people back together because they can feel the impact on all their working relationships. They absolutely can. And that's, that's where it becomes so critical. And, yeah. and um, you know, relationships help push you forward. There's no question about it. It's relationships that will get us through this, this pandemic. That's it's right. relationships that help move our businesses forward. And, and eventually, a lot of them turn into partnerships and, yep. and, and mentorships and sponsorships and you name it. You know, when I first started speaking, it was the same thing. People were saying to me, well, you know, you should share your story, right? Because I was Gina's caregiver uh, through all of her bouts of cancer, but specifically the first one. And I would tell people about it and they go, you need to share the story. And I remember the very first time I got on stage. It was in Irvine, California. It was at an outdoor event for the Relay for Life and I had all of 10 minutes to share my story. <laughs> that seemed like the longest 10 minutes. And I had written the entire speech out and tried to memorize the whole thing. I was so nervous. Uh, but then I found that if I was sharing the truth or sharing something I'm passionate about, I, I could do it better. I could do it for a longer period of time. How important is passion to you? Well, if you look at what I call my foundation for building ships, yeah. I got five elements or five components to the building ships. But the last one, and I talk about this last, and I almost think it's the most important one in a lot of ways. If it's not the most important one, it's my favorite one, and that's passion. Yeah. I think it's so critical to be passionate about what you do. I'm going to go back to Sid Hartman again. He, he talked about if you're passionate about your job or if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. That's right. Um, I think you find your passion in your job. It's not going to come to you. You kind of have to find it. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that you nurture that passion. And the more you work at it, the more you find what you like about your job, the better you get at it, the better you feel about it the better the people around you feel about you and the job that you're doing. I can't imagine having a job that you're not passionate about. And if you're going into the workplace, not passionate, that's going to affect the other relationships in there. I mean, it's going to affect the culture. It's going to affect your team members. So, uh, you know, for us, that's our first uh, core value with Think Great, passion. So we have passion, integrity, and excellence. And passion for us is so critical because we're helping people every day. So we want to be surrounded by people who are passionate about it. It'd be hard for somebody to work at Think Great that doesn't really care about people. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not looking for warm bodies. We're looking for people who can make that impact. You know, I've met all your people except for, I think, Sapphire. Uh, but I have spoken with her and you yeah. can just feel the passion yeah. with your people. And I think that's why you and I have connected so well. 
because yeah. we're both very, very passionate about what we do. And I think it just carries the load for us. It just makes everything so much more fun and so much easier. That's what gets me out on stage is the passion. It's not, it's not to speak. And, and I don't know if you've encountered this, but I've met, well, as a speaker and, and you yourself as a professional speaker uh, with an amazing message, you meet a lot of speakers and I've met people who want to be speakers. That's their thing. They love sure. the stage. I've met a lot that I feel love to hear themselves speak. Oh, yeah. you know, and that wasn't me. I did not want to be on the stage. I went to film school at the University of Southern California to be behind the camera. I had no <laughs> intention of being in front of it because I do have that glossophobia, that fear of public speaking. Sure. But I think for me, I've broken it down to, I have a fear of disappointing. I never want to disappoint the audience. I want to impact them. And I know that when you've spoken and when I've heard people describe your speech, they leave there inspired. What is that like for you when somebody says, Bob, this is exactly what I needed or Bob, this impacted my life or my business. What does that do for you? I don't think there's a better feeling in the world. And I think yeah. what it does is it motivates you to continue to step outside your comfort zone. Because what I've noticed in the speeches I've given, Eric, it doesn't, it hasn't gotten any easier for me. I right. can't sleep the night before. <laughs> I spend more time in the bathroom than I care to admit. And my stomach turns. Uh, I had a speech yesterday. My wife asked me, and why are you doing this? <laughs> and and as, as scary as it is, and as hard as it is, so rewarding, especially when, especially when people come up and say that to you. It just, it, there's nothing it, better. It's this moment of greatness. And they'll say, I needed that. Yes. Um, for me, I share a lot of my personal story before I get into the content. As you know, I share, right. I was in the Marine Corps as my wife's caregiver. Then I'll speak about leadership or strategic planning or sales. How important is it for you as a speaker to share some of your personal story with the audience? I think it's very important. And I think that's what I liked about your speech. Um, you know, I, I, what you were able to do is relate your personal challenges yeah. with your wife into business kind of challenges. And I believe that's what I do. I go, I go back um, when I give my hour presentation, I talk about my struggles with living on my own in high school and some of the things that I had to do. But I even go back before when I was in fifth grade shoveling snow for, you know, 16 different uh, jobs of shoveling snow and so on. And, you know, how you build your, your work ethic and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But somehow you always have to make it relatable to the business I, side of what you're talking about. Yeah, I And agree. I think that's what makes it more... Um, understandable for people they can kind yeah. of equate your personal life with the business life and how you mold them all together. Yeah. I think I answered your question, but maybe. Yeah, no, no. I think the personal side is so critical because I, I believe that there's a lot of people that have great intentions up on the stage. And I've heard yes. people who I've heard people who have the ability to speak very well, but sometimes I leave and I didn't take a lot from their message. And I always try and take something but what I find is people are taking a lot from your message uh, that they can apply personally, but also professionally. And, and I have to ask, you know, you've stepped out of your comfort zone your whole life. I know that every time you speak, you step out of your comfort zone. For sure. For a lot of people building relationships or building partnerships or sponsorships or, or any kind of ship, it's not in their comfort zone. How important is it 
to acknowledge that we need to step out of our comfort zone. I mean, you're doing it every day, even you did it yesterday for your speech, but what is that like for you? How do you step out of your comfort zone? What pushes you out of that zone that we're, we're all in right now, right? The COVID has kind of created a, a comfort zone that you're actually being paid to stay at home and be comfortable, sort of, but we need to step out of that. Can you just kind of walk us through your mindset on what gets you out of your comfort zone? I think for me, understanding that there's no growth staying where you're at. Yeah. You have to step outside your comfort zone if you want growth. You have to step out your, outside your comfort zone if you want to gain access to the world. You want to gain access to opportunities. When I would go to a chamber event or when I would go to some other kind of networking event, I would always make sure that I went to see people that I didn't know. I always made sure I went to sit with tables where there were people I didn't know. There might be a table full of people I knew and it'd be really comfortable sitting with them. So easy to go really over there. Sitting with them. What's yeah, that? it's so easy to go to that table. It's so easy. And all I would do is I would say, nope, go say hi to them, shake hands with them, acknowledge them, but go yeah. build some new ships. Go push yourself, just push yourself. And yep. then you would have to think about how rewarding it's been in the past. Look at the relationships that you'd built because you'd pushed yourself. That's in right. the past. Look at the partnerships you built because you pushed yourself. I, I really think that businesses, and, and we have a ton of business leaders that listen to this podcast. I know that they're concerned with the relationships in the workplace right now. I know that they're bringing people back in who have settled into a comfort zone, who wear pajamas when they work, yep. <laughs> and are, they're uncomfortable with their existing relationships. People don't even know if they should shake hands anymore, Bob. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing the, should I, what is, what's the, is it the elbow or the knuckles? We have almost lost um, some of our social skills and now sure. we're just going to bring people back together. I've, I've got to ask you from a business perspective and you have worked with businesses. I mean, you've been in business for so long. You've worked with so many other businesses at chambers. You speak to businesses. What are some takeaways for a business right now when they're thinking about bringing you in? and saying, hey, Bob, we need your message on shipbuilding. What are some takeaways you have? Them? Why is this so important for a business to focus on the ships right now? Well, I think mostly it's just important for them to understand some of the challenges, challenges they have and how those challenges can be uh, uh, frontal, if you will, by yeah. acknowledging what those challenges are. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about building the relationships outside your business because that's so critical for it. Yeah, But to get to that point, if you don't have relationships built inside your business, right. you're not going to go anyplace because guess what? Without a relationship with your coworkers, there's no way you're going to have teamwork. That's cool. and So the relationship. That's powerful. And, and so part of what I, I'd like to think there's going to be takeaways is just understanding that, understanding yeah. the importance of relationships internally as well as externally, understanding the importance of stepping outside your comfort zone. Because there's a reason that it's called a comfort zone and there's a That's reason right. it's important to step outside of it. And one of the things I'd like to say is try and get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Hmm. Because like that, that. that is so critical. If, if we yeah. can't get companies getting out of their PJs and getting uncomfortable in the public, again, we're going to have a lot of challenges. That's right. And you maybe know I've got a, a coworker I work with, and and we do workshops on trying yeah. to work on getting that message out in various ways, and and uh, I think it's very impactful. 
Well, I think that the pandemic has expanded our comfort zone, you know, so our comfort zone used to be here and now it's, it's grown. It's a little tougher to get out of it because we've been removed from people. I mean, we've been, you know, just six feet from everybody, wear your mask. There's so many things that damage relationships and here you are showing how to build relationships and it's needed now in business more than ever. We'd be foolish to bring people back and not bring you in to talk about shipbuilding. I mean, you know, that we we need that because we've been pushed apart. But but you touched down on something. I know you have workshops. So for me, I remember when I started speaking, I had, you know, you have your hour presentation, you could do 30, 45 an hour. At what point did you realize I've got a workshop here? I can do three hours or or more. I'm not sure I've come to that realization yet because it is people are asking for it. Yeah, it's always a challenge. And, yeah. and I, I think to kind of push your career or my career in that speaking arena, you got to have more tools in the tool bag. Yeah. And just speaking about building ships is one thing. For me, as tough as it is, it comes a little bit easy for me or easier for me yeah. because I've lived it. And that goes back to what we talked about with other speakers. You talked about hearing speakers that could speak, et cetera. Yeah. If they haven't lived it, I... I, I can tell it from the beginning. You, can, and I you know wanna, it right out of the gates. Right out of the gate. And, yeah. I, and I don't want to have any part of it. It just, I can read that part if I need to. I don't need to sit there for an hour and listen to it. That's right. But I want to hear speakers like yourself that have lived it. Now, if I can go that step farther and how can you expand on that? How, ex, how yeah. can you expound on the message? I think that became kind of critical with my shipbuilding, showing them how to erect their ship. Maybe, I don't know, just, move yeah. to that next step because that was going to increase my opportunities. I think the workshops, it's just a natural evolution. You know, when it comes to speakers, I always say there's two types. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, what we have to offer. There's the one and done, mm-hmm. or there's the domino speaker where you speak and people start asking you. And I know they ask you, what's next? What else can we get? Can you come back in? And, yeah. and you know, it's not just to deliver the same message. It's to build upon that message. And I think people need to be able to go into those workshops and seminars and build their ships. They've, we've lost some people skills right now. For sure. And I'm not sure, Eric, whether um, I kind of look at the workshops as different than training. Yes. I think it's a whole lot. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've been involved in training at Grand Casino, and, and I think it's excellent. I, I, yeah. I don't question any of that. But I think a workshop is even better. I, I, I just think you get a better grasp of what you need to do as your own person, because That's we right. all we all grab things different. We all move forward differently. Yeah, and you're developing helps you understand that. Yeah, I, I feel like you're doing more than training them on shipbuilding. You know, you introduce them to it in your keynote, but the workshops really develop their their shipbuilding skills. Sure, and and it gets hands on. You get to get your hands dirty on those uh, on those workshops. Well, we've done the same thing with leadership or sales or strategic planning. Is give a keynote on it. And then people say, well, okay, what do I do next? Well, that's where the workshops come into play. Exactly. So we can get them creating their identity or mission and vision and core values. Um, what could people expect from a, a workshop? If, if they were to bring you in and say, okay, listen, we need to hear you on shipbuilding or we're interested in the workshop on, on shipbuilding without giving away all the secrets. What are some things that you have people do to, to help build that muscle up, if you will, of, of shipbuilding or help get them out of their comfort zone? Because I know it's a fear for many of us. Sure. Well, I'm going to talk about one in particular because it's, uh, I think it's the one that most people struggle with. 
And I think it's the one that um, I'd like because I struggle with it. And I still struggle with it. And that's the ability to network in a situation where you're walking into a room full of people, you don't have a clue who they are, what they're doing or whatever. And it, it, it's, it makes it uh, rela uh, relatable to everyone. And it's that's kind right. of a workshop where it's a, a hands-on thing where everybody can get comfortable and it becomes a visual thing. And there's, there's a title for this. It's not mine. It's, it's a borrowed um, uh, tactic uh, or technique, I should say. But it's, it just kind of walks you through the visible part of, of getting to talk to people. Um, in this wor workshop, we talk about, um, uh, I want to say it's Einstein. Anyway, some famous uh, person that walked into a room and um, he would ask a question and let the person just do all the talking. Mm. And he'd ask another question, let the person do all the talking. At the end of the evening, um, the host came up and said, he was remarkable how he just let me, uh, I learned so much from him. Well, the person hardly did any talking at all. It was the host that was doing all the talking. And that was, it was kind of a step in learning how to do that, I guess, and just making it possible for you to learn as much as you get. The old saying, you got two ears, listen, don't talk so much. Kind of well, thing. and right now, so many people are networking uh, virtually. It's even harder. Yes. You know, I'll attend events and, um, you know, you get, you got, even if they open it up in a in kind of a, a meeting format, not webinar, so you can see everybody, you got 30, 40 people in there and everybody's in there to help expand their business, but they're afraid to network. Yeah. You know, and even when the, and, and I'm doing more in-person events, which is awesome, but you still see an event called a networking event. And then you have the little clicks. People are going into their comfort zones and they, they leave with no new relationships. I've been guilty of that too. I, I think as a, as an introvert and people have a hard time accepting that when I tell people I have a fear of public speaking or I am introverted, they say, no, no, you're not. Cause when you get up on stage, you know, you, you can cut loose if you're passionate about it. But when I'm in those scenarios, a networking scenario, it is very uncomfortable for, for people. And if you run a business or lead a business or own a business, that should be natural for us. Right. The, the thing that I found interesting, and, and I, I think if you Google this or look into this, you'll find uh, apparently about 50% of the population are introverts. Yes. Uh, and people that you wouldn't expect are introverts. Barbara Streisand is an example, um, is an introvert. And like you, I have people tell me all the time, there's no way you're an introvert. I was getting ready for um, uh, a speech at our leadership conference a couple of years ago. And a person that, came, that I know well came up to me and she, she'd heard me speak before. She said, Bob, you keep doing this. People aren't gonna believe you're an introvert. And what I was doing, I was, <laughs> I was doing my networking. I was going out and trying to get myself comfortable for the speech by doing what I knew moved my ship forward. And I was just saying hi to people and, and talking to people. It was really uncomfortable for me to do it, but I knew how critical it was. But it, it, it didn't maybe show that, you know, it, it maybe questioned more people that I was, in fact, not an introvert, but I was. And, and what I've been able to do is develop those techniques that over help me overcome that. But I think that goes back to you being genuine, sincere, using your own material. You know, you were using your material before you shared your material. You were using your networking skills. Now you actually teach on it. 
I think it's a, it's a very tough art form. I, I, most people, because they do have a little bit of a fear of public speaking, when you put them in a public scenario and they're supposed to go speak to somebody, all the fears come out. Mm -hmm. you know? So, so you're teaching people how to build these relationships, but simultaneously conquer their fears. And, and that's, Absolutely. that's huge for, even for me, I need to come to a workshop. Because I, I can get better. I, I think even people who are good at building relationships could probably be better. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, I mean, there's always something we could learn. I know for me, as, as a leadership coach, sometimes I feel that leaders speak too much. And what I mean by that is if there's a meeting, then the senior leader conducts the meeting. Uh, if, if we're going to speak to our team, I'm going to do all the speaking. Yep. And when I ran the media company, I had this, I had this philosophy called share the podium and I would have the team speak. Right. So I figured, well, they've heard me, you know, they expect me, but they're not expecting Bob to come up and talk. So what I found is, is that when you could get them to speak comfortably in front of their peers, their confidence grew, their self-esteem grew. I'm going to guess that when you're teaching people to build ships, they're building a better relationship, even with themselves. Their, their self-confidence, their, their self-esteem is growing. Are you noticing that as, a, as, a, as kind of an offshoot of building ships, right? With the people around them, are there, is their self-esteem and confidence just shooting through the level, you know, through the roof too? You mean my, my own personal or the people? Yours or, or people that attend your workshops? Yes, uh, absolutely. And, and it's, it's funny, Eric, because in the process of building my ships, the four ships, friendships, relationships, partnerships, and sponsorships, Somehow, some way, what I need to do is add another uh, ship to my port, and that's mentorship. Because what I've noticed as I've done what I've done, whether it be speaking or my normal business, I've had numerous people come up to me and call me their mentor. And I always thought to be a mentor, you had to be kind of the official mentor. You know, that's Bob, right. I want you to mentor this person, or Bob, would that's you right. mentor this person? It just kind of happens. They come up to me and says, I always look at you as my mentor. And so wow. I think that's a result of what I talk about and yeah. a result of my speech in some case, in some cases, or what I do in some cases. When working at Grand, we always talk about lead by example and how critical that is. And I came up with something, uh, maybe I heard it someplace else. I wanna be careful that I'm not saying I'm the author of it, but I like to say, follow by example. Yeah. We've all been in a room where we've had the boss come up and talk and talk and talk and not get the audience or the employees involved. And then you'll sit and see somebody roll their eyes as the president or the CEO is That's talking. Right. I think it's just as important to lead or follow, I should say, by example and yeah. making sure that that president or CEO gets all the attention that he deserves in his position, whether he's doing it right or not. That's right. You follow by example, you lead by example. I think when you're building relationships, like you said, all these ships, it leads to respect. And you can tell when somebody's focused on building relationships based on, on the words coming out of their mouth. You can tell where their focus is based on their body language. I, I just wrote a book on communication. I just had a body language expert named Blanca Cobb. She was awesome. She was just on the show. And the power of what our bodies are saying, sure, I think really signifies um, our belief in these relationships, are they important or not? Mm -hmm. And, and I feel that, and there's another ship too, I was thinking about. So uh, there's a lot of ships out there, but as you add mentorship, 
what I'm hearing is leadership, right? We're hearing the, the leadership and the followship <clears throat> really go hand in hand in business where every leader tells me the same answer when I ask this question. I'll say, what's the greatest asset in your business? And they'll say people. Everybody says it. Sure. And then I say, all right, so prove it to me. And they say, um, and I said, all right, that's not convincing. And, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's like, if you're going to say people are a 10 out of 10, you got to be able to prove it. Mm-hmm. And I find that they're not building the relationships with their own teams. In fact, I'll ask them, when was the last time you got off site? And okay, maybe they have to do it virtually now. Mm-hmm. But when was the last time you just got out over a cup of coffee or a lunch and just learned about them? I think the workplace is missing these relationships right now. I don't question that a bit. And one of the things that we focus at Grand, as you know, is servant leadership. And that's, I I think that's the type of leadership that we all need. And I think it's so critical, but uh, you know, the, that whole uh, shipbuilding, um, I think all those other ships kind of lead into leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now there is another ship that I've noticed. And I think most businesses are going to go through this. Uh, and experience this, and especially now during the pandemic, but not be afraid of it. And that's hardships. I mean, it, it's coming. It's coming. In fact, yeah. I think there's a need for your message today, more than even through the first year of the pandemic. And, and, and I'll explain, we've gone through this obstacle called the pandemic. And, and the pandemic, you know, it's, it's COVID, it's the restrictions, it's the social distancing, all that stuff. But it was also wrapped up and, and packaged even bigger for us with civil unrest, which is still continuing. Right. In election year, unlike anything we've ever seen, uh, parents being teachers at home, right? They got kids that are learning socially distanced. So every relationship has been impacted by the obstacle. But what I found in the military is we tend to stay together, more cohesive during an obstacle. We're going to hang in there. And then we fall apart afterward. And, and Bob, you and I need to share the stage at some point because I've been telling people that after the obstacle, everybody's talking about going to the new norm. And I can't stand that phrase. Right. Nothing will be normal about what's coming. But I think it'll be greater. We're going to have blended trainings, blended workshops, all this re- different styles of remote working, have you. So we're going to go from the obstacle to the great new era. And nobody's talking about this transition. And what I'm hearing is the hardships, as far as I'm concerned, they get greater during a transition. As human beings, we just, we struggle during transitions. And right now we need to focus on relationships. And we struggle with that, Eric, obviously, because it's change. It's outside right. the comfort zone. It's something different. Um, no doubt. Most people don't like change. And so they that it. makes it a hardship. That's right. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I just did a session yesterday and people were talking about all the changes coming. And I said, well, how, how do you think your people feel about change? They said, they hate change. And I said, well, why is that? And they said, well, they, they fear it. There's a lot of unknown, a lot of variables. They get anxious about it. And, you know, we could hire a change agent to come in. And I said, well, hey, if people are afraid of change, I have an idea. Don't change anything anymore. And he said, well, what would I do? I said, enhance everything. Don't change, enhance. And so we've, you know, we've used that change nothing, enhance everything because then you have buy-in and you know it it shifts the dynamic of how people are thinking because the transition phase you know we don't know especially here in minnesota we don't know every day there's new uh changes coming nobody can even keep up with them anymore 
So the transition phase will be different. And I, and I feel that in the transition phase, this is when marriages fall apart, you know, after a health incident, this is when our troops fall apart after the incident. It's this transition phase. I'm predicting a lot of businesses to fall apart during transition and meaning people will leave, they'll exit. They're going to get away from the obstacle sure. and I associate the obstacle. I feel that if, if somebody's listening right now and people are their greatest asset and they would like to keep those people, they should probably build their ships internally is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. And I, I like what I heard you say, uh, enhance what you have as opposed to making the change. Did I yeah. hear that correctly? Yes. I used to get a lot of pushback from a comment I'm going to make now. And that is the comment that people hate to hear. We've always done it that way. And I don't think it's a bad comment. I think what you do is you look at the things you've always done that way sure. and see if you can enhance them, see if That's they right. still are good, because sometimes it's still the best route to go. That's right. Sometimes it does have to be changed. Sometimes you have to drop it and move on. Yeah. But sometimes it's still the best way to go about it. Maybe you can enhance it, but it might still be the best way to go about it. Well, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and since the founding of the Corps in 1775, they've used firearms. Fortunately, they've enhanced them or our troops would be using muzzle loader <laughs> rifles in the field right now, not effective. So, you know, again, it's an enhancement. If they continue to just change things, yeah. there's that mindset. And I feel that when we use the wrong words, it brings down our relationships. And right now I'm hearing, you know, we need to, we need a fleet of relationships mm -hmm. in, in our business. I know business leaders are nervous about what's coming. You know, they're sure. not, they don't feel prepared. There's no handbook on the transition out of a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> and everybody's very opinionated right now, sure. which then brings me to my next point. You're going into business to help build relationships where COVID is exposed to something else, not just um, how we handle a pandemic, how we think about it. There's so many different perceptions right now that, you know, some people feel it's man-made, some people feel it's not, some people have conspiracy theories, some we're bringing all those people <laughs> with different thoughts back together that could seriously disrupt all the relationships we've taken years to build. So you may actually be fixing a lot of the ships that are out there is what I'm guessing. Well, there, uh, I think every ship takes on a leak once in a while. And it's a matter of you can uh, plug that leak before it becomes a huge, huge problem. But uh, I, I become a, a big believer of getting all those ships going in the same direction because it becomes so much more powerful if you have your ships, whether it be leadership or mentorship or friendship, relationship, partnership, get them all going in the same direction. It just becomes very, very powerful. But you always have to be cognizant of the leaks. Make sure that That's those right. leaks get fixed before they become a bigger problem, sink your ship. I think there's a lot of leaks out there, Bob. There are <laughs> I think a lot there's of leaks. so many leaks. You know, and it's interesting when I go in on leadership or sales or planning, I'll go into a business and, and I see those leaks in those disciplines. You're probably at a point now where you can spot those those leaks, you know, in, in a ship, and and you can provide through your workshops how to fix those. I mean, are there some are there some common leaks that you can think of in the business sector right now? What's what's missing out there? What are business leaders not doing that could be a maybe a quick fix for them? You know, I always say from a leadership perspective, work on your identity. Do you have a mission statement? Talk about it. 
You don't let it just be writing on a wall. Are there some things right now that if, if a leader is starting to bring people back and transition these ships back into the harbor, you know, what are some things they should look for or possibly even do if they're noticing leaks? Well, first of all, Eric, I think identifying the leaks might be the easier part. There's going to be leaks that they're not knowing that's out there. Yeah. And I think that's a bigger issue. And I think the way you take care of that is listen to your people, talk to your people, understand what their challenges are, understand what it is that they're going through. And it's our frontline people that have got their ears to the ground. That's they're right. The people that are understanding the conflicts um, uh, that the pandemic and that all the other things that you mentioned are creating. And if you listen to the people, I think you're going to be able to uh, understand what the leaks are within your business. And if you can understand them and identify them, then you can start working on them. But if you don't know what they are, the ones that you're not aware of, those are the ones that would scare me the most because those are the ones that can get out of control in a big hurry. Are, are you finding that some, some business leaders or owners just take for granted sometimes that the relationships will always stay intact? You know, maybe they're not working on this. Like, well, you know, kind of like marriage, right? Well, we'll always be married. And we said we love each other 10 years ago. It should work out fine. Are you seeing that in the workplace too, as you go in and work with businesses? Are there leaders that just don't understand how to build ships or how to fix leaks? Are they just hoping when they actually should be working on it? Absolutely. I, I think you see it every day. And I think you see it just by seeing successful companies that have gone bankrupt at some point. They get their ego in the way. They, they yeah. think, I'm really good at this. I must be good at it. I've, I've done a great That's job right. so far. Um, uh, all it can do is continue to move forward. But at some point, if you don't address some of those issues, you know, they, they will take you under. But just yeah. not being afraid to look at that, I think, is the key thing for most business owners or, or people that are leading a business. That's right. You know, it makes me think about the Titanic. Just that little ship. That's a little and bit of a ship. Little ship. And and what I'm hearing about ego is, I remember they always said it's the unsinkable. It's the unsinkable. It's yeah. the unsinkable. And that iceberg that they just missed, it sank it. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I'm not saying it was a little leak. They had a pretty substantial one, but they got sliced open by something they didn't expect. Right. And And that always blew my mind. So if I ever have my own ship, I'm never going to call it unsinkable. I'd be afraid of that. And I'll never name it Titanic. But I think there's a lot of ship captains out there, these leaders that aren't looking for the signs. You know, if, if they had just seen, they had just kept their eyes on their pathway. I think there's a lot of people missing it. And we need to be able to spot the things that can cause the leaks too. Because we can, we can take an impact right now and it could sink our ship. What I'd love to know is in the Titanic, if there was anybody on the ship, you know, from the the, the captain down or whatever, admiral, whatever he is on his yeah, ship, yeah. the people below, if anybody below him said, you know, there's icebergs in this, these waters, we should may, maybe change course or something to that effect. And it kind of goes back to what I just said, kind of listening to your people, the people that are closest to. to the front line, seeing what, seeing the icebergs that they're confronted with. That's right. They're out there. And they're I think the, pan the pandemic has caused more icebergs to pop up in our trajectory than ever before. Absolutely. And, and I, I love what you're saying about asking people. I think this is a big part of building relationships. We need to ask better questions of our people. You know, I always ask, you know, what would make your company greater? I love that question because, well, I always ask a first one, can your company be greater? Everybody says, yes. Then I say, how? 
I almost think everyone listening right now really needs to ask this question. Can the relationships in your business be greater or in your home or anywhere? And then if you answer yes, how? We've got to identify these things. We think too much about products and services. We think too much about our business, our industry. And yet we keep saying our greatest asset are our people and we're allowing them to get hit with icebergs. I mean, it doesn't make sense. When you announce it out loud like that, it makes zero sense. I think there's two parts to it, however. Um, I think asking the question is very critical because it shows me that you care. You care enough to ask me the question. That in itself is going to start building your relationship. But if you ask the question and then ignore the answer, that's right. You've done nothing. Yep. Now, ignoring the answer might be just saying that's not possible because of financial restrictions or because of this, because of laws, etc. But if you handle that correctly and let the person know that their opinion counts, their opinion matters, uh, and answer it and move forward with it, all you're doing is building a stronger relationship and therefore stronger teamwork. That's right. So for me, I know when I write a book, and I'm, I'm assuming maybe at some point there's going to be a book about becoming an expert shipbuilder, maybe. Is that in the, <laughs> is that in the future for you, Bob? Any books? I, I'm having a hard time enough reading books, let alone writing books. <laughs> uh, but yes, it, I, I, I've contemplated a couple of times whether it's actually going to happen. It's going to be an easy read if I, <laughs> if I, if I do write one. Hey, a lot of pictures. Pictures help, right? We're visual anyways. <laughs> You'll probably see the Titanic in it. I'm sure. I'm sure you can reference the movie, right? One of the number one movies of all time. The hardship. Um, (laughs) Hardship, no doubt. No doubt. Um, As an expert shipbuilder, you know, what what are some of the goals you have for the future? You know, you're making a great impact in businesses. You're making a great impact in communities. But um, what are you doing to to grow your business or what's in that that line of sight for you for the future? I, I think growing it is is a, the biggest part of it, and it's it's been very very difficult. And, and you and I maybe have talked about this in the past. I had this great plan, and the great plan was I was going to work until I didn't want to work for somebody anymore. And yeah. I love my I love the company I work for. I think it's the greatest company out there. Grand Casino has done wonders in my life. Yeah, I have the utmost respect for the Native Americans for Grand Casino, the Mox Corporate Ventures, uh, but I'm no longer there. But I had a fallback for when that day came, whether I retired or got retired. My fallback was to get into a speaking career and to get into helping other speakers, booking other speakers, calling an agent, call it whatever you want. Guess what? That kind of went to heck in a handbasket during the pandemic as well, as you well know. (laughs) Uh, There's been several speakers that have retired because of it. Sure. Uh, So, you know, my goal or my challenge is to work that harder, put some of my um, work ethic that I've learned through all my uh, hardships in life toward making myself a better speaker, uh, getting myself more speeches, and getting the 10 or 12 different speakers that I rep for more uh, speaking opportunities. Now, do I have to? No, I'm I'm old enough, gosh, am I old enough that I've retired, uh, but I'm I, I love what I did. I love what I do. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I've been called back to help with the leadership yeah. conference. Uh, for me, that is uh, exciting. And it, it, it makes me feel good that I wanted back to help with that. Um, and so uh, what I want to do is just continue to work. I just, I, I, I love the opportunity that it gives me. I love the, the, 
you know, I, I liken my speaking to when I ran. I ran for 25 years, Eric, and, and I ran two marathons and several half marathons. And in 25 years, I never, ever enjoyed the run. Mm. What I enjoyed is when I got done, you know, the physical, the mental, yeah. the spiritual, emotional thrill I got out of it. Right. And that's, I liken speaking the same. It's drudgery to get into that point. It's, you that's know, right. I find myself practicing uh, my speech to get better at it, to get better information, etc. It's hard. Uh, I, I liken it to when I ran, but I tell you what, walking off the stage, especially if you delivered, there yeah. is nothing that's more gratifying, nothing that feels better. And that's, I agree. that's what I'm going to continue to try and do work to get better to where I can enjoy before as yeah. much as I enjoy after. <laughs> I just think, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head from a speaking standpoint, Speaking is very much like going to the gym. I'll go to the gym. But when you leave there after a great workout, you're like, you accomplish something. Yeah. When, when I get off stage and somebody comes up and says, I needed that. It only takes one, doesn't it? It only takes one. And then, you know, as you know, because you've spoken at large events, it's humbling when there's a line of people waiting to say something to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it almost seems surreal for me where I'm like, I should get in this line too. I wonder who they're seeing. <laughs> And then they're there for, for me and I never wanted to be on stage. And I think that for me, it's the off stage that's the best. Um, and, I, and that was a hard part with the pandemic. Not only did a year and a half of scheduled speaking events get, well, the code word was postponed, right? Sure. Um, and even though we went virtual with the majority of them, it was hard to operate in this when you're used to operating on the stage. And I have to think that building relationships here has to be harder than building them in person and you know we've lost that ability and you're bringing it back and bringing it back in a huge way i mean i need to become an expert ship builder i need to get better at it because i would rank the relationships in my life as a 10 my wife my children my friends but am i delivering at a 10 you know sure or did i did i am i own Am I my own iceberg sometimes? You know, I mean, yeah. what, you know, so it really gets you that. thinking. Yeah. We, we tend to get into our own way at times. Yeah. And, and a lot of that getting in your own way are just excuses. Why I didn't go to the gym today or why right. I didn't do this today. You know, uh, discipline enters into so much of what we do every day in, in, in business and in personal life. Well, let me ask you this question on, on, giving back to the community. I know that, you know, you've been a member of involved with at least sometimes at the same time, 12 chambers, you've been on five boards. I don't know where you find all the time, Bob, honestly, but how important is it for somebody who wants to achieve greatness in their life, do great things? How important is that give back? Well, I think it's very critical. Uh, I, I think, first of all, it gives more than anything uh, you know, there's a, a lot of companies that will suggest to their employees, get involved in a chamber of commerce or get in yeah. involved in a, a charity of some sort. From my standpoint, what it gave me the opportunity is to build more of those relationships. And I think that's bottom line. It, it, it's kind of a, a, a hmm. two front, a two pronged uh, uh, a tool. Yeah. I get to build my relationships, but at the same time, I get to feel good about the good that you're doing whether it be in the community in the form of a, a, a chamber of commerce or something to that effect. It yeah. just gives you a, a whole new platform to do what you feel good about, 
to help move your ships forward um, and help the community. I think it gives you that purpose, right? It allows you to fulfill purpose because you're doing something for others. And, and I do love that component. I, I remember in the Marine Corps, you know, you're all about being a Marine. And then the very first time you're voluntold to go work, you know, toys for tots, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't want to be involved in that. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm here to be a Marine. I'm not here to do community service. Sure. And yet that was such an integral part of who they are. And I remember doing it the first time at 18 years old, I gave back and we handed out, you know, uh, um, toys to kids that maybe didn't sure. have families or, or money. And that rewarding side was just so huge, you know, it was so oh, impactful for us. Absolutely. And I think you talked about purpose. I think what scared me most about retirement is having a, a losing a, a, a point of purpose. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, to get through life, you need to obviously have a purpose of some sort. And I remember doing the uh, feed our uh, feed your starving children, uh, yeah. doing that a couple times at Target Field. You walk out of there and you just really feel good about yourself. You feel right. good at what you've done. Um, and if you haven't done it, you just got to do it. It's it just part of life, and it's it is a purpose. It, it it helps you get through life so much easier. Well, let me ask you this, Bob, if you have somebody listening right now and they're like, you know what, I need to, I need to start building better relationships if I'm going to achieve greatness in my life. Um, what are some tips that you might have for somebody hearing this message for the first time and saying, I'd like to head in that direction. I want to build better relationships. I want to have a greater life personally or professionally. You got any takeaways for us for today? I, I think the first thing that I would look at, and I looked at this when I, I start writing my speech, you know, you, you talked earlier about putting yours on a on a piece of paper. I don't know about yours. My stack is about, I don't know, two <laughs> feet high of do-overs. Yeah. Um, and I struggle with what do I talk about? Do I talk about discipline? Do I talk about purpose? Do I talk about this? Whatever. And as I thought about it, I realized that I have built myself a foundation. Mm. And I looked at it like this, Eric, that my foundation or somebody's foundation is a lot like goals. Until you put it down on paper, it really doesn't mean much. That's and so right. when I looked at my foundation for building ships, I looked at what was important to me, things like trust. One of the most important things that I think any business has to get in. If you don't have trust, That's you've correct. got nothing for starters. Yep. Uh, respect. Um, you know, we talked uh, already about passion. Yeah. Hard work is critical in, in anything. Um, and goals. Those were my five uh, foundational pieces. And I think to, to start building ships, you have to know what your foundation is made of. And I, I, I tell people in my speech, yeah. a lot of time, I don't know what your foundation is made of, but I'll tell you what, uh, um, passion hopefully is one of them. Yeah. Trust is going to be there for sure. Uh, I think all of those, trust, exactly. Uh, I just think those are so critical. When you think about those words, you know, respect and passion and trust, you can't have relationships, not real ones, not yeah, authentic no. relationships without those. No. Nope. And, and this pandemic and the upcoming transition is going to test all of our ships. Yes. We will have more icebergs and uh, depth charges and anything else hazardous to our boats. Else. I, I think that as uh, Chief Brody said in Jaws, we're going to need a bigger boat. I'm going to change it to uh, enhance it. Dude, we're going to need a bigger ship. <laughs> what I mean, because <laughs> there are some big sharks out there. Yes, There's there some are. Sharks trying to get our boats, get our people. And I you like know, your thinking. 
I know I always go with the movie references. I can't help it. I went to film school. So every podcast, there's going to be a couple movie references in there, there but, but there Jaws go. and Titanic, you can't go wrong. Um, I know, Bob, as people are listening right now, they are assessing their foundation now. They're assessing their relationships inside and outside of the office. And I know they're considering doing something about it. You're causing us to want to take action. If people want to take action and bring you in, talk to you more about what that would look like, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can uh, look at my website, bobslichty.com, obviously. And as you know, there's some snippets in there of uh, my presentation. Uh, BobTheShipbuilder at gmail.com um, okay. is uh, another very good way to get a hold of me. That's, uh, that's my email address, obviously. And, um, or they could contact you and you and I will work something out. That's absolutely correct. They can reach out to us here at the Think Great team. And we are happy to get some additional information for you about my good friend, Bob Schlichty. Bob, I have always left our sessions, uh, whether it's lunch or coffee or this podcast, feeling renewed and, and re-energized. And you did it again today. So thank you so much for sharing so much incredible information with us today. You are absolutely amazing and you are impacting people. Well, thank you, Eric. You are as well. And that's what I love about this interchange. We, we feed on each other and we give and take from each other. And that's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. It is. And I appreciate everything that you've done for Think Great, Bob. And uh, we are always happy to return the favor. And again, thanks so much for being on the show. Great. Thanks a lot, Eric.